It's such an honor and a great privilege to be with you today. Uh, my name is Sam Kenston. Uh, as I usually do, I'm originally from Ghana, but we belong to the family of the UN in my house. Everybody have different human country citizenship here, but we all belong to one nationality abroad, which is our Heavenly Father. Amen. And uh, before I begin my work today, I just want you to open your mind, your heart, your everything, and surrender it to God. As a student here at UBC, I can understand the challenges, the frustrations, the difficulties. Sometimes we don't even know what to do. And that brings me to the importance of today's message. We're still learning about the Turning Point series. I, I vividly remember when last week we heard about Nehemiah. Pastor Craig shared about that. Before then, Hagar, thank you to Brindley and Naomi. And also Susan shared that powerful testimony. And next week we have a prayer coming a week of prayer. So I believe today's message is also strategic to position us in a place where we can understand how we can live a life of consistency in prayer. Amen. Today we'll be learning from another great prophet in the Bible, Daniel. We will look at the whole life of Daniel with emphasis on his prayer life. Let's open our Bibles to Daniel chapter 6 and we will read from verse 1 to 10. If you have your Bible, please open with me from Daniel chapter 6, from 1 to 10. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should be give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall find any ground for complaint. We shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to the king, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he had his windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He went to his house, 
he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Growing up in Ghana, I have a style of church which I used to religiously, or we used to religiously follow. So I'll give some few backgrounds so those who don't know, where I go to an Assemblies of God on a Sunday, we sing praises, we dance like we were singing today. If the stars were made to worship, so would I. And we try to physically demonstrate some of those things through dancing, men dance, women dance, children dance, and we go round and round rejoicing, and we preach. We literally follow what the scripture says, that the Spirit of God is here, and some others say that those who are, are courageous shall take it by violence and by force. The Spirit of uh, heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And we try to practicalize scripture. We, we preach with passion and power. We, we scream, we annihilate, we, we dethrone things. We take things down and we, we speak with passion. Then at the age of 23, I went to China and I thought I was just going to med school and finish med school and go back to Ghana and practice. And then I ended up staying there for 12 years. So everything I learned from the age zero to 23 of my life, I have to begin to learn other things. I remember one day I went to church and they were singing one of my favorite songs, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. And as I, my tradition is, oh, you, I lift up my two hands, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. And the whole church, no one was lifting their hands and I have to bring it down. Bring it down and say, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. I realized, wow, the cultural differences, the doctrinal differences, the church behavior differences is real. So I have learned to both slightly bring down the, the first 23 lessons where we jump in church, say, hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice and say, God is good. Somebody shout to the point where we have to come sanctimoniously pious before God and say, God is good. God, you are so good. I, so when I was invited to share today, and now I'm, I moved to China, to Canada also, I'm like, which of the strategies should I use? Should I use the original nature of myself when I come and say, God is speaking to you today? And it is a beautiful day to be in the presence of the Lord. If you agree with me, shout amen. Or should I just use the one I have learned for 12 years through suffering and trying to adjust and say, Shen Chen Hao, Rugon Yuen, Amen, Shandi Si Wushu Abunen, Shandi Iji Buzai. But today, and as I was preparing, I just feel, you know what? God is doing a new thing. And in the kingdom of God, he has an agenda and he has a plan. We may not see it, but the best way to know what God is doing is to, through prayer. is by having a life of consistency in prayer. 
And today, that's exactly what I we want to learn. Daniel was a man of excellent spirit. Daniel 6, verse 3. It says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him. The next thing we learn is also Daniel was a man of integrity. Daniel 6, 4 says, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. These are good. These are the totality of Daniel's character. But the next thing we learn, which is our focus for today, is Daniel was a man with consistent prayer life. Daniel 6.10 says, When Daniel knew that document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he has done previously. If you have a Bible or if you have an app and that Bible belongs to you, you can underline the word as he has done previously. That is my focus today. Why am I sharing this? God has a plan for our lives. Growing up, I never thought I'll be in Canada. I never thought I'll be married to somebody who is not a Ghanaian. But God has a plan. Time and again, this becomes a cliche where we say, oh, God has a plan, God has a plan. But truly, he has a plan. And we can only realize God's plan when we seek him diligently in prayer. God's ways are not our ways. His plans are not our plans. I give a little background so you know that when we diligently seek God, he is making a way for us. The Bible says he makes a way where there seems to be no way. When I went to China, I never knew 12 years later I would leave China to Canada. But it only shows God has a plan. Many of you here don't even know where you will be in the next 10 years. Unless you know, lift up your hands if you know exactly where you will be 10 years from now. You don't know. It's because it's only God that has a plan for our life. And if we really want to follow the plans of God, we need to develop a life of consistency in prayer. Now, I talked about three characteristics of Daniel. Daniel was a man of integrity. He was a man of an excellent spirit and a man with consistent prayer life. So one may ask, how did he find himself in this place, in this circumstance, in the first place? If you have all these good characteristics, your life should always be like this. Next, 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 next. But no, it doesn't always work that way. It goes up and down. In medicine, we call it sinusoidal. It goes up and down, up and down. So, how did he find himself in this situation? We can read quickly Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. It's also long, but it gives a background. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. 
And he brought them to the land of Shina, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent, to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that they drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defy himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defy himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. The book of Daniel, the cardinal theme is the sovereignty of God over all nations. But this passage, we want to focus on how God revealed himself through Daniel. Daniel and his three Hebrew brothers were taken as captives, as slaves into exile. And then the king, as smart as he is, said, select with me those without blemish the wisest, the smartest, the good-looking, and those that can learn so that we can train them with our culture and they will also influence others. This resonates so much with me this week when I was reading this. Also because I went to China on a Chinese government scholarship. I have to study Chinese for one year. Initially, I thought, oh, this is just a nice opportunity. But as we progressed, we were taken to Beijing, where the seat of government was. We were taken round to see Mao Zedong's temples, to learn about the Chinese culture, and to be able to acclimatize to the environment and assimilate to things. And I begin to love, and I begin to even see the importance of that. And I fell in love with the Chinese people, with the Chinese culture, with the Chinese food and the Chinese language. And little by little, I'm like, I'm not going back to Ghana. This is, this is it. I believe the king, the Chinese people might have learned from this scripture right here. Bring people into the country, teach them your language, give them food because... I couldn't go to med school in Ghana, so when I go to med school in another country and they gave me free tuition, free food, free transportation to the capital, every vacation, the government sponsors us to go around. I'm like, this is it. This is life right here. When I was reading this this week again, I was like, hmm, these people might have read this scripture. Because how did I end up staying there for 12 years instead of four? Because I begin to love the culture, love the people, love the language, love everything. Then I stayed there for 12 years. If the king did this to Daniel, Daniel began to feel at home. 
Daniel began to love the culture, love the people. And even though it was such a hostile environment, God granted him a lot of favor. But something happened. As we go back to chapter 6, we saw that the three people that the king set up to become the administrators, the leaders, two of them were jealous of Daniel because Daniel has an excellent spirit, was a man of noble character. And they planned to have him arrested and possibly killed. So they went to the king. They have examined Daniel and realized that if we want to find fault in him, we cannot find any fault with him. But by his prayer life, but by his character, that is where we can find something against him. So they conspired and said, King, sign this law so that whoever doesn't worship you, whoever doesn't bow down to you, will be put into the lion's den. It was a trap. And lo and behold, the king signed it. But what did Daniel do? Daniel continued his routine prayer life. He continued what he believed in. Today, many of us are here from different parts of the world, from different faculties, from different programs. Circumstances may come. Challenges may come. Do we give up? Do we turn around and say, I have to give up? Or do we trust God? Do we stand our ground and say, God is with me? I will not give up. I will not surrender. In difficult times, it's easy to give up on our faith. It's easy to give up on our prayer life. It's easy to stop trusting in God. But as we learn from Daniel, the best thing to do is to go to God in prayer. We need to obey God, we need to depend on God, and we need to trust God even more in a difficult time. Sometimes it's so easy to shout hallelujah when everything is good. Oh, when you look at brother and say, oh, God is with you. God bless God for your life. Oh, praise God. Oh, God is good, sister. But when things are hard, when things are not going well, we don't even want to say God is good. We begin to wonder, does God really love me? Is God with me? And does he care about me? Today, I'm here to announce to you that when things are hard, that is the time we need to go to God. Amen. God is dependable. God can be trusted. It is evident that Daniel had a habit and a place of prayer. Do you have a habit of prayer? Is prayer what we do when we are in situation? We call it the ambulance or the fire service kind of prayer where we only come in when things are not going well. Ping, down, ting, down, ting, down. And everybody knows, oops. If that is an ambulance, then it's to the emergency. If it's a fire service, then there is fire. And now we don't hear it. It means there is no fire. They don't come. Is that how we live our prayer life? Or do we have a consistent, dedicated prayer life where if things are going well, we praise God. If things are not going well, we still praise God. Is praising God based on our feelings. As we learn from Daniel, let us devote a life of prayer, a life of dedication. What happens when we trust God 
what happens when we depend on God? What happens when we pray even in difficult situations? From verse 11 to 21, you can see that when Daniel was praying, the conspirators, those who plotted evil against him, quickly went to tell the king, King, didn't you sign a law that no one should bow down to any image or any god apart from you? And the king said, of course, I did sign that law. We found Daniel. Come, come, we found him. He disobeyed your law. So, this law cannot be revoked. Show him that you are the king. Daniel was taken and Daniel was put into the lion's den. When I read this passage, I'm like, why would God do that? Daniel was praying to God. So even before evil came, God should lift Daniel from the evil and maybe miraculously put him somewhere. Or God should quench the evil. Or God should blindfold those who are looking for him. But no, God's ways are not our ways. It's not exactly how we plan it. That is how God thinks about it. God let things happen to show forth his glory. Uh, a famous preacher, John Piper, once said, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. We, we need to learn to depend on God. When Daniel was arrested, he was taken into the lion's den. For us, as humans as we are, we shouldn't even be taken to the lion's den in the first place. But Daniel was taken to the lion's den. And God let that happen for his glory. God was with him. He didn't die. The lions didn't eat him. The next day, the king came back to check, Daniel, are you still there? And indeed, he said, I am here. I am unharmed. The lions didn't do anything to me. The angels were protecting me. And we were having a good conversation with the lions. The king said, bring him out quickly. And those that plotted against him were rather sent into the lion's den. What can we learn from here? When we trust God, when we depend on God in difficult situations, God will come through for us in his time. Bible says he makes all things beautiful. But we don't usually remember the last part. It says in his time. He makes all all things beautiful. Yeah, he does, but in his time. God brought Daniel out of the lion's den to glorify himself. I want to encourage you, if you are in a difficult situation, remember, God wants to use that situation to glorify himself. Whenever you find yourself in a challenge, in something that is about to lead you into a lion's den, smile and say God is about to bring his glory again. God is about to show off in this situation. Today, I could stand here and smile and say all sort of things. But two years ago, I was crying. I wasn't even sure what next. Because when we were in China, we never thought we would leave. I was enjoying my work. I'm a physician and I said, doctor, you have such a nice job and a prestige and you want to just keep your family safe. Then COVID came and my wife was pregnant and my hospital called me, don't come to work. 
And I was like, why? He said, no, why? Just don't come. We will let you know when you have to come. For two days, three days, four days, five days. And I have to be reading news on BBC, on CNN. I was in China, but I didn't know what was happening there. But I was reading things from foreign news sites. So my wife and I, she's from a different country. She's from the Philippines. I'm from Ghana. She can't go to Ghana because she needs visa. I can't go to the Philippines. <laughs> but we both have U.S. visa. So we said, okay, why don't we go to the U.S.? Because we often go there anyway for vacation. And maybe three weeks, four weeks, when things are calm, we can go back to China. As we thought, oh, we quickly flew in there, got our tickets the next day. Yes, let's get tomorrow's ticket. Because you are pregnant, it's dangerous. You don't know what will happen. You are a doctor. They say, don't come to work. COVID is there. Nobody knows what is happening. We are so anxious. We didn't take anything, not even our marriage certificate. Because who goes on a three-week vacation with a marriage certificate? And then we went. We went to my friend. And... We said, oh, we are here for three weeks because of what is happening. After three weeks, everything will be calm, and then we go back. We just have one bag and our passports. Even no USD. We only have our bank cards because we know as soon as we land in US, we go to the ATM and we draw money. So, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. We got there. The very next day, Trump closed the border to China. It says, you cannot... Flights from China cannot come, and flights from U.S. cannot go back. We thought, oh, it's okay. We have three weeks. Everything will be all right. Three weeks turned to three months. Three months turned to six months. And my wife said, you know what? We can't keep paying you, so you have to resign. But you asked me to stay home, and now you said I should resign. What do I do? My wife was due. And we found ourselves very stranded. In such a situation, it's difficult to say there is God. It's difficult to say God loves me. You find yourself stranded. I am a doctor. I'm staying with my friend. My bank card was blocked, so I have to ask my friend, can you give me $100 today? I'll write it down. I promise you, I'll pay you. And he'll give me $100. After one week, I'll go back. Can you give me $100? I promise you, I'll pay back. It's like, what kind of doctor is this? You have children, and you are always borrowing money. It's sad when you are in a difficult situation. And I began to look at my life, and I said, did I make a mistake? You have your wife and your children. You have your profession. And here you are, staying with somebody, begging for money every day. Because even our bank card was blocked. But you have to trust God. You, I look back and I realize, maybe God didn't even care. And you begin to think, was this all a joke? Did God really have a plan? Maybe God doesn't really have a plan. Maybe those are just things we do in church. Maybe some people, yes, but... You feel so disheartened. You, you begin to think sometimes. You can't even sleep. You look at your life before. You are a doctor. You go to the hospital. Everybody adores you and praises you. But now here you are. You don't even have money. 
And whenever you go borrowing, because life must go on, you ask your friend, please, can I borrow $100? And he can't deny, so he still gives you, say, now it's $2,000. And I say, I'll pay you. I promise you, I have money. When I have access to my money, I'll pay you. And it's like, you've been saying that for six months. And he doesn't look like he's coming to end. And I look at the border. The border is still closed. Oh, my goodness. I can't go to my country. I can't go to my wife's country. And you begin to wonder. But in that moment, my wife and I decided to fast and pray. We just said, you know what? Our logic is not working. Let's just pray. Let's just commit everything to God. Then we began to pray. We changed our life of complaining and counting the time to really pray and say, God, have your way. God, please make yourself known to us. Show us your path. Then I was there. Next day, I received an email. You have been admitted to PhD with fully funded scholarship. I'm like, no way. No way. This is not true. UBC? What? I never saw this coming. With full funding? No, this must be God. And everybody say, oh, you are in US, that is a good thing, but you can't get a visa. Because according to visa policies, you need to be a permanent resident in a place, or you need to be a citizen before you can get a visa. So we started thinking again, oh, now I can't get a visa. We need to go back to China, because that's where I have my residency before I can apply for visa. But God always has a plan. I also receive an email from immigration and say, send us your passport and we will issue you your Canadian visas. I'm like, no way. I thought everybody said we can't get a visa because we are not citizens. But God always has a plan. When we begin to trust God in difficult situations, when we begin to pray instead of complain, God will change it good. Two years here and our life is the best. We look back and we are always smiling and we even plan staying here for another 10 years. Now we look, everything, the suffering, the anguish is all gone. When you see my son and you ask him, do you love Canada? He said, I love Canada. It's so good. It's the best. And my wife is super happy and I am super happy here. We realize, oh, so was this all God's plan? We wouldn't know until we trust God and let his will be done. If we were still in China, I can assure you we would not have left. But that act of difficulty, the lion's den, that one year that we spent in the U.S. in, 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 in grief, in, you know, in sorrow, always borrowing money because my bank card was blocked. And sometimes my son wants pizza and I don't have any money to buy it. So you have to go borrow money. And all the grief. But now when I look back, I realize God was using that to bring us to Canada, our land of milk and honey. I can't tell you how happy we are here, but we would never have come here if not for that challenging time. God always uses every situation for his glory. And all we have to do is to trust God. Amen. I just want to end here by saying, trust in God. Believe in him. When things are not going on well, 
It's easy to complain, but let's turn that into a life of prayer. Let's remember our foundation, the God we live in, and let's tell God, use this situation for your glory. And I can assure you, at the end, you will look back and say, indeed, this was God's plan. Now, when I look at my life, when I go around UBC, studying in such a high-caliber university, living here peacefully with my family, speaking English with you, I look at all this and I look and I say, God, I'm sorry. Sorry I didn't trust you enough. Sorry I had some doubt. But thank you for changing everything for your glory. Today, as the worship team sing, I just want you to pray and say, God, use my life for your glory. Glorify yourself through me. Let me live a life of prayer. Let me be consistent in my prayer life. When storms come, when difficult situations come, let me not give up on the faith, but rather strengthen me. This is a prayer you need to pray and tell God, strengthen me, because God can strengthen you in difficult times. It may not be easy, but it's possible. That is the time you need to cling onto God. But we first have to develop a life of prayer, a life of consistency in prayer. We have to learn to go to God in the good time. We have to learn to go to God in the bad time. Not only when things are good, but also when things are hard. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. You are the Lord who never fails. We ask that you will strengthen us. We ask that you will give us a life of consistency in prayer so that when things are not going well, we will still trust you. We live all for your glory, O oh God. And we say, God, empower us to seek your face daily. In difficult situations, let us seek your face. In hard times, let us trust you. Let us depend on you. Grant us your, your spirit. Make us vessels of honor for you. So we will praise you always. So we will look back and say, indeed, this is the doing of the Lord and it's marvelous in our sight. Thank you, Jesus, for an answered prayer. Amen. Would you stand as we worship?